and good afternoon friends welcome to another edition of here i stand and today our happy focus is on the revolution the revolution that has been taking over aspects of illinois life education culture the church where they can and uh, we're happy uh, to be joined by uh, Lori, uh, Lori, our friend who labors with Illinois Family Institute, and uh, she has written several articles. She was drawing attention to the revolution in education going back to last November, in fact. So um, this is uh, something that IFI, Lori, have been tracking for several months now, and uh you won't see Laurie, but you'll hear her as we discuss the revolution in Illinois. So, uh, Laurie, do you want to queue up, uh, just give us some background on what's going on in Illinois, the JCAR, etc.? What, what, what can you provide for us in terms of some of the background? Yeah, well, thanks so much for having me. Um, well, yes, as you said, this was first introduced back in November, and it's a, a, a when you say JCAR, it's a rules committee in Springfield. So what they have done is the leftists on the Illinois State Board of Education uh, created a task force or a committee rather to to uh, sort of force teachers to infuse their classroom activities with leftist ideas about, well, a whole host of things, systems of oppression, identity, sex, uh, gender, uh, gender identity, sexual orientation, all sorts of leftist ideas that grow out of identity politics, that grow out of critical race theory or critical theory. And what's tricky about this is instead of passing a law they have decided they're just going to use an existing law and add an amendment that would change the standards. And that way, it doesn't have to go through any kind of floor debates, and it doesn't have to have all the Springfield vote on it. And of course, it gets less notification. And so if it passes this committee, of which is on February 16th, they're having the vote on it, which the committee is, I'm not sure the number, 12, 16 people on there. If it passes, it becomes de facto law. And all these crazy ideas, leftist ideas, which the, I guess what's important to point out is these, uh, the assumptions that will be infused into not just curricula, that's sort of the last place. It starts with changing professional education licensing. Actually, I should step back one step further. It starts with teacher training at the college level. So the teacher training programs, that's what anyone who seeks to be a teacher will go through as education majors. These ideas will be infused in those programs at the colleges and university level. And then they will be infused in all professional education licensing, which is both, which is really everyone who has student contact in schools, counselors, school nurses, administrators, teachers, and then those ideas will be expected to go into professional development in the schools. That's what teachers do on late arrival days and institute days. It's their continuing education, which all those things 
whatever takes place in professional development is expected to get into the classroom. That's the whole point of professional development. So this is a very comprehensive way of getting the same kind of ideas that are derived from, or that are in place in, for example, the 1619 Project, Black Lives Matter, Critical Race Theory, to get all those ideas into the classroom. And the fact, yeah, go ahead, James. And the, the fact that you have to do that, attach it to an existing law to try to keep it under the radar, the fact that you, you, you do that is an admission that is not popular. They couldn't get it done the correct, the normal way. So they're going to sneak it in. It's a raw power grab. And, exactly. and, and they know, they know they have to go through these shenanigans to get it into law. But go ahead, Cal. Um, would would you think, Lori, most teacher training colleges have been teaching this already now? Oh, yes, absolutely. Because these ideas, as I mentioned, I mean, the central, this is, this is not about sort of comprehensively improving education. This is about promoting an ideology. And it's centrally yeah. about how to think about race, how to think yeah. about sexuality, how to think about homosexuality and the trans cult primarily. And yes, and that's why for many years now, this has been getting in even to conservative school districts. When I first started with IFI, which was in the fall of 2008, so it was either in the fall of 2008 or early in 2009, when a father in, it was either central or southern Illinois, rural community called me uh, really upset because his first grader son had come home with a picture book about homosexuality. And he was in a very conservative community. And remember, this was at least 11 years ago. And I said, is the teacher young? And he said, yes. And I said, so here's the problem. These, these young teachers are coming out of schools and departments of education that are notoriously liberal. And they have been promoting this stuff for three decades at least. Mm -hmm. And that's why we have this, even if you're in a conservative community. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I want us to, to look, uh, your articles um, share the reality, but some people might say, oh, that's, that's, that can't be. Well, let's look at the standard themselves. And you got to love the title, the Illinois Culturally Responsive Teaching and Leading Standards. I mean, <laughs> uh, George, George Orwell would be proud of um, Exactly. They, they, they left plays with rhetoric all the time. This ambiguous language. I mean, even things that you hear routinely, for example, when they'll say that they'll talk about, particularly with sex education, age appropriate. And nobody, no parents ever say, what criteria specifically are you using to determine age appropriateness? What is the specific criteria and who created them? So then you have culturally responsive teaching and learning leading standards, as I said in my article, heavy emphasis on leading. And and I love I love number one, number one, understand the value, the note uh, understand and value the notion that multiple lived experiences exist. <laughs> oh wait, my students don't all live the same life? Wow. Mind blowing. <laughs> There's not one correct way of doing or understanding something. And that what is seen as, quote, correct is most often based on our lived experiences. So there, there is no more standard of right and wrong. It's just different 
lived experiences. Like you didn't study for that test. So, but none of your answers are wrong because you just have a, a, li a different lived ex I mean, this is absurdity. This is an attack on the fundamental notion of knowledge. Exactly. And science, mathematics, and but this is number one. Right. And, and, and of course, they don't actually mean what they're saying here because they no. believe this is created by leftists who believe that their assumptions on how to think about race or racism or, or relationships between people of different races or ethnicities or how to think about transcultic beliefs and practices or how to think about homosexuality or how to think about marriage they believe that those are the only right way to do things, to think right. about things, to understand things. So it's, a, it's utter hypocrisy. But of course, as you point out more fundamentally, it defies the notion, what is the whole purpose of education? What is it then? And actually, if that's true, then why should we even pass this amendment? Right. Maybe this amendment isn't the right way to think about education. No, it's it's self it's self-defeating. Uh number right. 7 recognize how their identity race, ethnicity, national origin, language, sex and gender, gender identity, sexual orientation, physical developmental, emotional ability, socioeconomic class, religion affects their perspectives and beliefs about pedagogy and students. So every teacher has to be groomed in identity politics. Number nine, assess how their biases and perceptions affect their teaching practice and how they access tools to mitigate their own behavior. Racism, sexism, homophobia, unearned privilege, Eurocentrism. So are there tools to mitigate my Eurocentrism? Oh, well, the left has tools. And we've heard a lot about them since the summer and spring riots. You know, the tools are primarily about... Uh, you know, humiliating those who believe differently into admitting their horrible, sinful bigotry and engaging in sufficient self-flagellation to, you know, I guess, make amends. And then, of course, you know, maybe pass along some money as reparations. But, yeah, I mean, this is what, I mean, this whole thing is infused with assumptions that we are not unpacking. We're not even allowed to unpack because most people don't even know what they're saying here. And even if they read it, they wouldn't understand what they mean unless you've been like deeply involved in the field of education for some time. You wouldn't even understand the subtext between uh, underlying their ambiguous language. Lori, I'm not convinced they know what they mean for the most part. I, I, I'm not convinced they know what they mean. I know oh, what I'll they want to achieve. They want to achieve a world in which anything Christian is removed. Right. But like, like, like Kelvin said, uh, you know, it's like when I used to study about David Hume and philosophy, he literally contradict himself every other sentence. It made no sense. And, and what they're doing now is just, it, it, it seems like the same thing. They say there's no right and wrong. I'll tell you what, start reading the, the, the book of Matthew and see if they believe there's no such thing as right and wrong. Exactly. Well, that's, well, I mean, you make you make a couple of excellent points. One of which is that they're they're on most things their assumptions are self contradictory, yeah. and so. Yeah. But you have to really. I mean, they won't debate it. I mean, that's the problem. They they have a committee who passes this. A small group of people pass this, and therefore they're not challenged. You know, and even truthfully, even if it, even if this went to the floor for a debate. 
what I've learned since I've come to IFI and I've you know watched floor debates um, is that they're not actually debates, and there no one really like picks apart the arguments when we, when they were passing the comprehensive sex ed bill here in Illinois, which is another interesting thing that you might want to talk about because there's a worse comprehensive sex ed bill going to be pat, proposed this week, mm. I think tomorrow, which we should talk about sometime. But when we were passing it, um, I watched these floor debates and I was paying attention to is anyone challenging their assumptions, which I had put in multiple articles. These are the questions that should be asked. And not one Republican legislator asked hard questions because if I can just give an example, they said that the the comprehensive sex ed bill was needed in order to solve the problems of um, high incidence of unwanted pregnancies and STDs. And I said, suggested they be asked, show me the evidence that proves conclusively that comprehensive sex ed will do that. I put it in my article. We actually gave it to a legislator who will remain nameless because he agreed to ask these questions and he didn't, it was a whole series of them, didn't ask one of them. Mm-hmm. And, and this doesn't, this doesn't call for you to even be certainly not a Christian and not conservative. So the same thing with this, that this uh, amendment, this proposed amendment that only has to go through a rules committee, who's asking the challenging questions to, about this? Like, what do you mean by this language? And for example, the first one that you pointed out, Calvin, about um, understanding and Remember, it's not just understand, but value. They're commanding people what to value. I mean, it's amazing yep. hubris. And it says value the notion that there's not one correct way of doing or understanding something. Then someone should yep. ask. Or there's another one about affirming students' identities. Are they going to affirm the identities of theologically orthodox Christians? Are they going to affirm the identities of, of polyamorous Right, exactly. And so they don't really mean what they say. When they say that they don't think that there's any right way of doing things, then ask them, why are we asking? Well, what about this then? Do you think that it's, that it is, you pointed out this, Calvin, to say, do you, something like this. Well, do you believe that it's wrong to plagiarize? Is it objectively wrong? In which case, if they say, yes, it is objectively wrong, then you'd say, well, then you've just admitted that there is a right way of understanding some things. Right, correct. Uh, let's, you know what, um, yeah, go ahead, James. You know what? For, for years, I've been listening to talk radio and they, and, and, and people like Rush and, and Hannity and, and uh, Prager, they make these really good rational arguments. And Laurie, I, I, I'm, how can I say this? I am concerned that people don't recognize what's going on. What they do is so over the top illogical. Like you said, they don't even ask the questions. I think we've moved into a new phase of American history. It's just a raw power grab. I think on some level, they know what they're saying doesn't add up. They just throw it out there to placate the masses. But it's just a raw power grab. That's all it is. I mean, don't don't you think at some point it's so illogical, it's so foolish at some level... Lori, they know it's foolish. That's why they try to pass it in the middle of the night. You know what I'm right. saying? They know it's well, foolish. I, I, it's a raw power grab. I, okay, yeah. I, think that there's, I think there's two groups of people, probably more. And I think there uh-huh. is one 
one group of people that are exactly what you're saying, James, that they're just mm-hmm. exploiting things because they want mm-hmm. power and they don't have yeah. any principles that they're, that they're convicted of. They don't, they're not Other led by principles. The other problem, yeah. and I think this is serious and it's something that really um, pertains to, I think, Christian education and the need for it. There, yeah. There's a book, it's a well-known book, not by a Christian, by his name is Neil Postman. He died, I don't know, seven or eight years ago, and he's written a, several books, but one, Amusing Ourselves to Death, right. which talks about the when you have a television-based culture, at the time he was writing, that was really before sort of social media and all that, as opposed to a print-based culture, it favors certain kinds of ways of thinking and orienting toward not just that medium, but toward life itself. And he said, he talks about biases. So he said, when you are of a print-based culture, it values logic, sequence, deduction, uh, exposition. When you have a television-based culture, it favors narrative, emotionalism, instantaneity, doesn't value logic. And that's why he said, and he wrote this, I mean, he died seven or eight years ago. He wrote it, I don't know, a decade before that. He was saying students, his students, and he, he was a NYU professor of communication. He said they wouldn't even see one paper of theirs as sort of an integrated, coherent whole. And he would say, I mean, W-H-O-L-E. He would say to a student, well, here's your thesis. And here on page two is this contention, which actually undermines your thesis. And they would say, well, that's on page two, and that's not on page one. And they didn't even see it as an integrated whole. But the point I'm making is what he's saying is we've lost the capacity or we're losing, if we're not the capacity, at least the habit of thinking logically and valuing that. And so, and that's why you see, you know, I wrote an article a couple of weeks ago about that said that the left is looking at the novel 1984, not as a warning, but as a blueprint. Mm. And, and they, and that's why they can say they can redefine terms and erase history and say men can become women. And the sheer incoherence and irrationality doesn't matter. That's my point. That's yeah, my point. They're, exactly. they're, not, they're not even trying. They're not even trying they're, to. Right. And, and there uh, are those people. Uh, who, they've lost their ability to. Let's just put it that way. Right. And they're the people. They're the people who know it's incoherent and irrational yep. and don't care because they have no principles and they want power. But there's a whole yep. host. I would say that the masses don't even realize that that the importance of logic and that it matters when something yep. is incoherent or self-contradictory. That's where Christian education comes in because Christian education has to reclaim that. Yep. Laurie, I, I, it, 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 one more thing. It's one thing for a professor to have it. It's one thing for a politician to have it. Laurie, you're describing most pulpits in the United States of America also, Laurie, who you who who at one minute says one thing and the next minute something totally incoherent. And, and that's why people, they have, the masses for the most part, have no clear vision of who God is. That's why we are where we are as a culture. Right. I mean, it, it's right. The, the, <clears throat> So-called pastors are the exact same way, exact same way. Let me uh, share, uh, Lori, you, uh, in your most recent article, you mentioned that they have made a change in the language. <laughs> the culturally responsive teacher and leader will embrace and encourage progressive viewpoints and perspectives that 
leverage asset thinking toward traditionally marginalized populations. <laughs> now they've changed that from progressive to inclusive. That's the change. So now it's, it, that makes me feel a lot better. <laughs> no, no, Calvin, you don't understand what they mean. Inclusive means anything other than Christian. That's what inclusive yeah. means. Yeah. So that that's the only change to the language because of the pressure that was placed on them. Is that is that true, Lori? I as I I don't know if I wrote this. I, I did in the email to someone. I, I I did not have the time to go through both. So you have in blue there, that's the, the original version of the amendment. And there's a newer version, which I linked to. And I, I didn't have time to go through literally every sentence and every word. Okay. That was the only difference that I could find. Yeah. Okay. Semi-cursory. But I mean, I didn't, it was, there were other things that I looked at and of the sort of more offensive, problematic parts of it. And there were no changes. Yeah. Okay. And um, let me let me uh, share an article written by actually uh, one of our state lawmakers who seems to have some uh, understanding. Are, are you familiar with Steve Reich? Steve Rick? Steve Reich? Uh, well, I just be, I, I, I was not familiar with him. Other than this week, I became aware that he's uh, concerned about this. And hey, I think he's on JCAR, right? Yes, right. He is. He may be the only voice of reason, sanity. Uh, he's going to get into trouble, I think, <laughs> as if he stands for this. Uh, so the Joint Committee on Administrative Rules, and and he has a good analysis. Um, but but notice, notice all the other mandates that have been passed. Let me make this a little bit larger. He points out the the General Assembly has already recommended character education. Well, a lot of good that's doing. Uh, Holocaust genocide study. Black history, including history of slavery, the contributions of African Americans, etc. I mean, you, you'd say a lot of this should just be normal history, right? The history of women. U.S. history. And the role and contributions of a number of defined ethnic groups. Uh, okay, then we get into history, roles, and contributions of the LGBT. Civics education so that students are well-informed, become productive citizens, yeah, whatever. Violence prevention, conflict resolution, anti-biased education, anti-bullying prevention, disability history and awareness, social and emotional learning. So apparently these things already have been mandated. And so he's, he's kind of asking, how, how is this going to fit in uh, when you already have a, a mandate? So... I did like him saying this. This amendment is nothing more than a Trojan horse, which will only accelerate the movement to get an undefined progressive agenda permanently into our schools. Well, I would say I think this is actually uh, the agenda has been defined. <laughs> if, if, right. I, I know what he's trying to say, but uh, I, I think they're, they're very um, clear as to their goals. On, Rick, on, can I yeah. say something about that list? One omission on that list is comprehensive sex ed, which that our comp disastrous yeah. comprehensive sex ed bill passed some years ago. It's going to be made worse uh, with the upcoming bill that's going to be uh, uh, proposed. I think I've heard tomorrow. I'm not sure if it's coming out tomorrow. But the, the main thing I want to point out about that list is when you read it, 
because of the way it's worded, reasonable people on both the left and the right would say, well, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Well, why not that? But because what they don't know is it, all those things are Trojan horses for getting leftist ideology. So when you're teaching, say, Black History Month there or, or, you know, Black History, how it's taught, it's never that it's taught. That's not a problem. It's how it's taught. Is this going to be Nicole Hannah-Jones, the 1619 Project ideas? Is this going to be Howard Zinn's, the People's History of the United States? Or is it going to be Shelby Steele's and Thomas Sowell's ideas? Or John McWhorter? So that's always what the issue is. It's how it's taught, except for the history, roles, and contributions of the LGBT, which is what I call the LGBT school indoctrination bill. That's really pretty self-evidently about not affirming that people who identify as LGB or T have contributed something, but making sure that you identify the contributions as coming from someone who's LGBT. So all these, I mean, no one opposes anti-bullying. Of course, everybody supports anti-bullying, but what is that centrally about anymore? It's centrally about eradicating the expression of the belief that volitional homosexual acts are immoral. That's what that's about. Yeah, no, that's right. No, that's uh, a very good. So the um, Laurie, you mentioned the new comprehensive sex ed bill that is going to be. Is the Illinois legislature still alive? Are they doing anything? Um, haven't heard too much. I, I guess they're still in existence, right? Yeah, they exist, and and my understanding. So I don't know how this like physically is happening. You know, I don't know how their Dave would know more about that, uh, but. My understanding, for example, the JCAR vote is going to go through on the 16th. So I don't know if this is distance voting or what, but the, the, so currently we, so the comprehensive sex ed bill in Illinois that passed some years ago says that if schools offer sex ed, it has to be comprehensive. No abstinence-based curricula can be used. So you don't have to offer sex ed, but if you do, it has to be comprehensive now, most schools offer it for sure. Excuse me. I'm sorry. Most schools offer it in, um, I think, seventh grade, sophomore in high school, and many schools have it in fifth grade. But this new bill, my understanding, I haven't read it, but my understanding is it will not only mandate that all schools do offer comprehensive sex ed, but that it starts at kindergarten. Mm. And it's specifically, oh, it, will be, it will be addressing... Uh, homosexuality and transcultic beliefs. So this is where we're going. That's this. That is going to be, and it, and it will also affect charter schools. And I haven't read it, so I don't know about other private schools. I don't know what they're, you know. So I'll I I look forward. Is that really the right word? <laughs> look forward to reading it. Mm-hmm. But so Lori, um, obviously IFI was encouraging people to contact. J car. Uh, there was a, a take action button uh, here. Let me just share the uh, the screen there. You can uh, call Bill Cunningham, the Democratic co-chairman. You can call Keith Wheeler, um, the Republican co-chairman. Um, I, I, I don't know how much action that has gotten. I, I sent an email. I, I clicked on the take action button. I, you, you can at least do that. Uh, is, is there anything... I, I don't want to say there's no point in doing anything, but it seems like the, the deck is stacked. It yeah. does. Well, the deck is stacked. 
but that said, you know, sometimes the sheer numbers of people and their tenacity and their passion can affect change. And I'll tell you where we see that. When there's any education bill that comes down the pike that may affect homeschoolers. Right, yeah. Homeschoolers have power in Springfield. Yes. They will, We, which is what is, I mean, which it's amazing and heartening but I wish that other conservatives could band together and show that kind of passion and tenacity because they will get the homeschoolers will get whatever affects them pulled like the LGBT mm-hmm. curriculum. They got that. It was going to affect <clears throat> homeschoolers mm. originally, but they got that pulled. So I have heard from some people saying, don't just contact J Carr, the committee or those two chair people. But also your own lawmakers and put pressure on your own lawmakers to put pressure on JCAR committees. Mm. And, uh, you know, I I just think that we have to really do more. I want to say one quick word about sometimes we, okay, when we ask people to write, we make it very easy for them to take the take action and contact. We do not write the actual words for them Mm -hmm. because much research has said that 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 if they get those form letters, that our lawmakers dismiss them. Mm-hmm. And so I'm saying that in case anyone is thinking about griping at us for not writing the letter, I think that people should care enough to be able to write one or two sentences and they can extract information right from my article. Or Kathy Valenti wrote an article last week, too. So it, it, it should be very easy. Okay. Okay. Well, um, we, we, these things affect us, whether your kids are in the school system or not. This is, this is what the kids in Illinois, uh, the majority of them, this is the garbage they are going to be fed. So even if you are are blessed to not have your children in this garbage, uh, this is the sewer that's turned on. So we we would like to see the the sewer shut down as much as possible. I think we can say, let's put out the fire in the whorehouse. Um, yes. and, and try to can get as many something? people out. Can I say something about that? I'm so glad you said that, which is I, I have now I'm starting to say much more clearly, Christians have to get their kids out of public schools. I wrote that today in my article at the end of the article about this bill saying Christians have no right to put their kids under the tutelage of people who don't recognize the distinction between males and females yep. and teachers Christians who, who people who teach in public schools and self-identify as Christians have no business asking students for their pronouns or participating in this. But um, what? But even if your kids aren't in school or your kids are grown or you don't have any kids, this is a stewardship issue. Your money is being used to teach garbage to children, and those children are going to be our culture makers. Yep. So. We have no right to abandon schools, but we have no right to put our kids in there. They're not missionaries. Missionaries are mature Christians who are trained for the particular mission field they're going into, and children are not missionaries. Yeah. No. Uh, Ditto. 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 Okay, Laurie, I think um, we've given some information. Hopefully our listeners will take action. We'll, We'll put some links in there to the articles and other information. We'll give you the we'll give you the last word, but uh, I think you gave a good one before. Do you want to follow that up? Well, yes. I guess the other aspect of this um, getting out of schools is churches need to be making it possible for 
members of their congregations to get their kids out of these places. If that means making funds available for people to send their kids to existing schools or creating your own affordable schools, they should have been doing that yesterday. Mm -hmm. No kindergartner should be introduced by an adult to any ideas about homosexuality or the trans cult. Yep. Um, You know, Lori, I I, I met a new friend from China. He, He knew what the educational system in China was like. He did not realize the educational system in the U.S. could compete with the educational in chi- educational system in China with perversion. Wow. And I, I want to, I, I'm trying to encourage him and some of his other friends, um, just they, they, they did not know how bad the schools in the United States were. Well, you know, the kind of indoctrination that's going on in our culture now and the oppression that's to come, people, Rod Dreher has, re- I haven't read it yet, but he's written a new book talking to Russian dissidents mm. and what it was like to be a Christian in Russia. And Roger has also been talking about the social credit <laughs> system in China mm. and the oppression that's coming. And we, we have got to educate our children because, and you know, for me, my goal, I have, you know, four adult children and I have nine grandchildren. And the reason I do this, I'm going to be dead when the oppression is really bad or old or you don't, <laughs> but, you don't know. No, I know it's coming faster, but I'd say, yeah. but all I think about is what do I want to do? What a kind of world do I want to leave for my kids? And maybe I can't affect change, but I know my silence no. is facilitating it. So exactly. No, that's a good, a good, good word there. Well, keep up the good work, Lori. And, uh, We'll, we'll keep our eyes on what's going on. We'll keep our eyes on the Lord and uh, do what can be done. I, I am hoping this will be part of the exodus um, that Christian parents will, will say enough is enough. Um, I'm not convinced that this will be enough, but I, I'm praying it at least gets more out that they recognize uh, that they can't, they can't stay any longer. Right, exactly. And we, you know, can I just, there was a, I had a quote from Andrew Clavin at the bottom mm, where he yeah. was asked about all these different, you know, form, people are asking him, well, what do I do if, you know, this happens at work or this happens in my child's school or what happens? And he said, you know, uh, you know, I'm just going to say the truth. You, you have to be prepared to sacrifice it essentially as Christians, we have to be. So that means if you're, chi- if you're going to homeschool your child or send them to a Christian school and they don't have quite the athletic program that, Deerfield High School or New Trier or GBN or Lake Forest has or the cho- the show choir or whatever it is, are, yeah. are we not willing to sacrifice anything for standing up for truth? It's Because it's going to be worse. It's going to be more people losing their jobs. And then we as Christians are going to have to sacrifice who do have jobs are going to have to sacrifice our money to help the Christians who said, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to ask for my students' pronouns and they lose their job. Are we going to come alongside them? It's a like the halcyon days for being a Christian in America are over and Christians need to realize that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was reading uh, to my some of my kids a book on spies and, and they, they made a point like this. Would the French tell the Germans no in French or would they bow to the Germans speaking German to them in France? I thought, wow, that was a that was quite a a powerful picture of what we're dealing with, and and I think we're we're I, I think what we're heading is we're going to start having to speak German 
as the French invade um, because there's you know a little resistance. Yeah, what's interesting about that, that your kids notice that is that because we've been for years, Christians hold up people like Carrie Ten, Corey Ten Boom and, yeah. um, you know, uh, Martin Neimoller and Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And, and yeah. we so admire their courage and heroism. And then when it comes to what our own stand here in America, we're uh, 10 years ago. All it meant was if you spoke truth, all it meant was like maybe your neighbor was mad at you. And, mm-hmm. and we were unwilling to endure that. Like, yeah. it's, it's shocking. Like, the, you admire people who are willing to die for their faith, mm. and yet you won't do anything. You won't risk your child getting a B when they deserve an A. Come on. Yeah. Well, there's going to be a time of testing, and uh, we pray the Lord uses that for the good of his people. So, James, Lori, thanks for uh, the discussion. And uh, when we know more about this new sex ed bill, maybe, Lori, we'll have you... Uh, discussing (laughs) more adventures in the world of Illinois politics. Adventures, I like (laughs) Thank you, guys. Okay, bye-bye. God bless. Bye-bye.